By the way, in case you haven't heard, my brand new book, Feel Good Productivity, is now out. It is available everywhere books are sold, and it's actually hit the New York Times and also the Sunday Times bestseller list. So thank you to everyone who's already got a copy of the book. If you've read the book already, I would love a review on Amazon. And if you haven't yet checked it out, you may like to check it out. It's available in physical format and also ebook and also audiobook everywhere books are sold. I'm not asked on that many podcasts, but I've been asked on probably 10 podcasts this year. I've said no to every single one because I was like, what if I have a panic attack? The social media superstar is Casper Lee. Casper is one of the OG YouTubers. He became an internet sensation. It was kind of in the very beginning, I feel like creators were kind of misfits. He started the company Influencer. He's also started his own management agency with Joe Sugg, who you also might be familiar with. He does a bunch of philanthropic things as well. And he's also recently started a venture capitalist fund. A successful business is 60% the right market, 30% the team, and 10% like the unique idea. But everyone's like, just think, come up with a perfect idea. It's not, you can't predict the future. Now, this conversation is interesting because Casper is like one of the OG gang from the from like the olden days of YouTube. And so we talk a lot about what that experience was like, what it was like growing up in South Africa and watching all these YouTubers and then being able to collaborate with them and then kind of interviewing people like Ed Sheeran and this sort of immensely like jet set lifestyle that Casper was leading back in the day. I was like 19, 20 and like people would say, what are you doing? Or my grandmother would be like, what are you, what are you doing with your life? And you're like, well, I'm a YouTuber. This is my job. And they're like, well, what's your real job? And to be honest, the, the, the time my grandmother actually understood it was a job worth pursuing was when I met the Queen for the first time. We talk about some of the downsides of fame and attention and some of the issues with burnout that YouTubers and other creators kind of have amongst other people. And we talk about his evolution from kind of entertainment vloggy type YouTuber to kind of business tycoon, investor, entrepreneur, philanthropist type chap and what that arc was like. So I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Casper, use that. Use that content. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Thank this you. It's going to be interesting. Um, you are like one of the OG YouTubers. You started in 2010 and made videos all the way through to 2019. And you're mm -hmm. like my age. So you would have started, you used to start a YouTube at the age of like 16. We're getting old, huh? We're getting old. I know. <laughs> like all these Gen Zers on TikTok and stuff. I always felt like the young one in the, in the group that I kind of came up with on YouTube because yeah. I was 16. I think I was 17 when I signed my first contract with... Uh, what they called networks. I think it was it could oh, yeah. have been Channel Flip or no. I don't want to. I don't want to throw them under the bus. It might have been someone else. Uh, and I remember trying to get out of the out of the contract, and they were like, "No, you signed it." And it was a terrible contract. I don't, it wasn't Channel Flip, just in case Channel <laughs> yeah, Flip yeah. still exists. And uh, and then they were like, "You can't get out." And I was like, "I'm 17." I'm like, "Okay, you're out. Can you sign a new contract?" I'm like, "No, that's done. You had me." <laughs> So but now you lost me. What was YouTube like in, in the early days? Yeah, I mean, I guess kind of, as I alluded to, quite cowboyish. A lot of people trying to get involved, but not really knowing what it was all about. Um, for me, I literally started my channel because I wanted to impress uh, the girls in my class. I thought YouTube was like the coolest thing in the world. And uh, it turns out it wasn't. It wasn't? No. I don't, was this like that for you? or Because for me, when I when I started People just thought I was such a, a weird person in my class, really. Yeah, I mean, so even in <laughs> even in 2017, when I started, people was, thought I was like, once it started to go well, yeah. people wanted okay, to. Okay, so yeah, that's when it changed. That, that's when everyone wanted, everyone wanted to be in a video, yeah. wanted to be in a thumbnail. But mm -hmm. at the start, I was like, Ali, put the camera away. Like, Ali, what are you doing? Like, yeah, so, maybe put the camera out. You're supposed to be seeing a patient. <laughs> you know. Exactly. And not only that, it wasn't even the kids in my class. The teacher, I had a, te a drama teacher. You think YouTube's all about entertaining. People should be excited that you're, you know, uh, you're sharing some something in yourself, 
And my drama teacher was like, this is lame. Why are you doing this? Oh, wow. Imagine that. Is that rude? I know, right? <laughs> I feel like drama teachers now should hopefully encourage people doing TikTok and whatever there is out there. Be real even maybe. Uh, but yeah, back then it was, it was definitely not cool. Uh, but I just kept going at it because I'm quite uh, an obsessive person. And I really enjoyed the idea of becoming a YouTube partner. So do you, do you know why that's a big deal? Uh, I do, but like for our listeners. Then. So, okay, a YouTube partner, especially back then, I mean, now it means you can monetize your, your videos. But back then I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking getting a banner on my YouTube channel, which is, you could basically, do you remember the custom banners there used to be? No. Okay, before your time, <laughs> yeah, before this my is time. Grandfather Casper talking. What, what was going on there? Uh, so you could, you could get a custom YouTube banner. Okay. This is all I wanted. You needed like a thousand subscribers. So I thought this is going to take five days. It's going to be great. Um, about two years later, still hadn't hit it. Eventually got close. And then my friend click bombed my channel. So you could, you could actually get ads on your channel before. Oh, actually, no. Okay. I just became partner. Was very, very happy. Could get ads on my channel. Then a friend in my class clicked my ads like a thousand times. And YouTube thought Casper's trying to make a living by clicking his own ads Classic. and so they banned my uh, my partnership and then i had to restart no. and then then when i restarted that's when things started blowing up for me when you so you had to restart the channel restarted yeah that was like my third channel shit yeah, yeah. completely from scratch yep and but the good thing is i think when you restart on youtube because when i was when i first started i i didn't know what i was doing when i started the second time i started to figure it out a bit by the third time i kind of understood how to do this and uh, the secret was going to be collaborating. And so I started collaborating. And I think it just worked. And I feel like uh, that, that is my advice for people. Don't ever feel scared to restart something. Because something that at the time was probably the, I was so angry at the guy who, who did this to me. But now he's like my best friend. Because if he didn't do that to me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am today. This reminds me of when, when I was like five years old and I was playing Pokemon Blue on my Game Boy Pocket. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I caught like a hundred and something. And come to South Africa. So. And, my, and, my, and my brother new gamed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they deleted the save file. And I was like, <laughs> I, this was like days and days of work that I poured into this thing. But then I started again and I was like, I was actually kind of glad for it in hindsight. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever the game one time and you were like, way better? Or? Yeah, I was way better the second time go. around. I was like, you know, I got Charizard rather than Venusaur and yeah. it felt, felt, felt more so fun. So I think... Where, where I'm getting at with this and what you probably experienced is like nothing is a waste of time. If you fail at something, you're learning and uh, there's a little bit of inspirational content for you. Hopefully Love you it. can clip that. I can put it on Absolutely. LinkedIn. Absolutely. We'll put bang. the captions. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of stuff were you making in the early days? And relatedly, how did you have the balls to do that when presumably in school people would have been like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. So very early days, we don't need to talk about because it, it was so weird. It was like me in my bathtub saying like, is this scarier than showering? Like that was what I thought content was. People want to see what's scarier, bathing or showering. I'm going to make a whole 10 minute video about this. No one cared. Got about 60 dislikes, three likes. So then I was like, oh, okay, I have to create my own accounts so I can combat the dislikers. And so I had like 40 accounts. I don't know if that's allowed. So maybe we'll cut that, we'll cut that out. Okay. <laughs> Um, but, but then, but then, but then eventually I, I started realizing, uh, that maybe I had my own quirks and people liked my, what I did, but what they really wanted to see was me with other people. And, and so there was this website called you now where you could like live stream behind other creators. Okay. So it was basically like a, uh, like a open mic. So you, you, you stand in line, you wait, and you go on live after other creators. And there was this guy called Jack Scap, uh, Pointless Blog, 
Marcus Butler. I, you, you, I've heard of Marcus your Butler. Your eyes are not lighting up. Uh, yeah. so <laughs> you don't know who these people are, but these are like the very kind of OG YouTubers in the UK. They had like, at the time, like 10,000 subscribers. And I was like, you guys, you guys are my biggest heroes. Uh, so I, I, I basically went on after them on you now, just said how much I loved them, said I'd love to make videos with them. And eventually they listened and, um, and they said like, let's, let's chat. I reached out. Um, I convinced my mom to let me fly to the UK to meet people I'd met on the internet uh, at the age of 17. Uh, this was instead of going on like a hockey tour. So I like gave up this big hockey tour. I was going to go on to do this. Uh, everyone at school thought I was crazy. I came over. I did what I, I think I do well, which is I'm able to kind of meet people and then meet their friends and then collaborate with people. And, and uh, I, I built this network and collaborated with about 10 creators. And when I came back, I, I, had, I went from like 5,000 subscribers to 100,000. Um, this was at the time I was finishing school. Uh, so uh, it, was, it was finally working. And I said, I'm gonna take a year out after school, I'm not gonna go to university. My parents are like, you're crazy. Um, so I went, I went on, on my own way, uh, paid, paid for it through AdSense. Lucky enough, it started to work. And then, yeah, eventually, Got to start making videos with some crazy people. Um, I guess I feel like the the height was having Ed Sheeran in my bathroom and me interviewing him. <laughs> cool. <laughs> at a time when like celebrities didn't take YouTube that seriously. Yeah. And yeah, that's kind of my YouTube story. It's all through collaborating. So where were you in South Africa? So yeah, oh. I was originally in South Africa when I started in a very small town. Whereabouts? Uh, do you know Neisner? No, what is what? I know Lady Brandon Bloemfontein. Lady I, Brand, I, I, I used to live Brand. in Lesotho. Okay, Lady. No, you mean Lady Smith? I used to be called Lady Brand back in the day. Maybe, I don't know no, maybe it's Lady yeah, Brand. Yeah. I mean, it's a small town. Do you have like used... a Google person like uh, Joe Rogan, or do you just do it yourself? L Lady Brand is a small <laughs> agricultural town in the Free State okay, Province of South thing. Africa. It's a thing. It's eighteen kilometers from Maseru. Yeah, because I used <laughs> to live in Lesotho. Yeah, for okay, like five that's years amazing. I, yeah. I've been to Lesotho once or twice. Hmm. It's freezing up there. It's cold in the winter, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Lesotho, for those who don't know, is, is like a separate country within South Africa. It's a kingdom. Yeah. Uh, and we have two countries like that. We've got mm. Lesotho and Swaziland. Uh, so what were you, were you either working there as a doctor? or? This was when I was like a child. <laughs> okay, okay. My, cool. my mom so was you were, working. you were a child doctor. My mom was working there as a doctor. Oh, okay, yeah. great. Okay, great. <laughs> I was okay. a child doctor as yeah, well. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, we Having moved... our prescriptions exactly. as, a, as a child. Yeah, you know, yeah, we moved to the UK in <laughs> 2003. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so you grew up in so, South Africa. But, but how long were you in Lesotho? Oh, like age zero to six. Shit. Yeah. So you're like a South African slash Lesothoan. What do they call like Lesotho so. people? Basotho. What? But what do you say if you say I'm from Lesotho? I am a uh, Basotho. Oh, sorry. I yeah. Heard, okay. Yeah. And the language is Lesotho. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Can you speak it? No. 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 Okay. <laughs> I, wait. I, presumably you can speak Afrikaans then. I can speak Afrikaans, but my is not that sounds good. The yeah. only thing I could remember was like Gein Sucre Biggie Vong Ni or something like No Sugar Added that was on the... Wait, say it again. Gein Sucre Biggie Vong Ni. Sucre? Yeah. I don't even, I don't even know if I'm I wish I could it. say that's wrong, but I'm so bad I can't. Yeah. So I'm going to just accept that as fact. And hopefully someone in the comments can hopefully. call you Fingers out. crossed. So, so, so you, you flew to the UK at the age of 17 to collab with YouTubers. Yeah. And I literally that's got picked random. up by Marcus Butler, who you know. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was... I mean, you don't know Jack Scap. No. People in here know Jack Scap. Yeah. We're going to have some. So Jack Scap, <laughs> they are just really cool. Okay. They were these YouTubers who you can compare them to like the D'Amelios. Okay. And they're going to hate me saying that, but just hear me out. Everyone loved them. 
They were so cool. At the height of their fame, they were like, we, we want to go into something that they thought was more meaningful. They wanted to get into sustainability. They wanted to get into architecture. They literally walked away from what they were doing at the very height of what they were doing, which was like insane. Uh, and like they could have carried on and on and on and on and had an incredible YouTube career. But they were like, no, this is, this is not for us. And I think that's quite, quite cool. Why did they decide it wasn't for them? I mean, I haven't, I haven't asked them pat- like, yeah. <laughs> particularly, but I, I feel like they, they, they wanted to do something else and maybe it wasn't making them happy. Yeah. And I guess, you know, I, I, I had a different journey, but uh, at the same time, there were, there's similarities to that. But I definitely did it for a lot longer and, uh, and uh, you know, kept going. Whereas they kind of they were like, no, enough is enough. But now they're back on YouTube. Oh, so I'll, 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 have, I'll have to check them out. Um, yeah, Jack's Gap, absolute legends. So, okay, so, so so you started the YouTube channel in 2010 and you're sort of screwing around making videos, channel one, channel two, channel three. Mm-hmm. Channel three is where it really starts to take off. Yeah. So and- the first two channels, the first channel was called um, Dick of Africa. <laughs> okay. Do you want to know why? Why? <laughs> I should probably clarify that. So, because my middle name's Richard. Okay. Uh, so, like, Dick. Yes. And then I was from Africa. And I thought like that would be a good name and uh, turns out it wasn't. And then it became Decasp. I joined those together. Okay. Yeah. And then the third, <laughs> the third, channel, the third channel was Casperly. That, well, Casper. yeah, Decasp, which just became Casperly. Once, I, once it became big enough that you could eventually call YouTube and you're like, can I change the name to Casper? Then, then Wait, you were big change. enough to be able to call YouTube? Well, yeah, you could. So you had like a hotline? At, at that point in my life, there was like, oh you could communicate with YouTube. I'm not sure if you, I'm sure you can today still. I wasn't talking to Suzanne herself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you had a partner program, a partner, partner program manager. manager. Yeah. I'm sure you do. Yeah, I got an email from one of them. There we go. Oh, you yeah. can say change much. Well, now I don't think it matters so much, but like this is like changing your URL and it was sick. Yeah, there's a little button you can press. I'm obsessed with things. URLs, like yeah. getting like short handles, things yes. like that. Do you have a, what's your like official URL? Oh, uh, youtube.com slash Ali Abdal. But my name is not particularly so, common, so that works out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so when you're 17, you fly to the UK, collab with all these YouTubers that you admired for yeah. a while, and you sort of explode to 100,000 subscribers. What happens next? Like, what's the journey? What was the journey like? Yeah, so, yeah, as I, I kind of said it in the very beginning, but you get reached out to, um, and, and I just signed the first person who reached out to me. Uh, so I signed a contract. Uh, whereby um, AdSense goes to them and to me. So basically back before YouTube could do all their own ads, yeah. they used to get networks. And so there was this whole industry where networks would convince brands to put money before videos. And so they yeah. would work with the channels and with YouTube. Um, and so, yeah, I signed a contract that wasn't great and got out of that because I was 17. Uh, and then, yeah, next thing was, as I, as I kind of alluded to, um, deciding, do I want to do this full time? I think a lot of creators, it's difficult to make the decision, but for me, I was very lucky. It really blew up. Like it was going very fast and I was at the right age whereby it was okay to take a year out and do something that no one considered a career. I mean, when I, before I started there, I, I, I was talking about this earlier. There was 10 creators, I think, who were, who were making money from it. There was like maybe Shane Dawson, um, the Shea Tards, everyone oh, yeah. with Shea in their name basically <laughs> was making money. Uh, Ryan, uh, people like that. And Ryan Higger. Uh, yeah, Ryan Higger. Yeah. 
and I just, uh, yeah. So, so that happened. Then there was kind of my, I know people say we're OG, but they were the real OGs. Then I, and like that includes Charlie is so cool. Like I should write a book on YouTube. This history. would be, just, this, this would be just, really interesting. About it. I actually so, went on mastermind to talk about YouTube history and I like, I came second. So that was great for me. Um, but yeah, then, then, then things, you know, I made the decision, let's go for this. Uh, and then, yeah, rest, how, the rest is history. How much were you making back then when you decided this was full-time legit? So yeah, good question. Um, I suppose in the very beginning, I moved over. So I, I decided I'm going to travel between like Ireland, the US, England, and just try collaborate with, with as many people as possible. At that point, I, I remember having 4,000 pounds in my bank account. Uh, and so that sounds quite hectic, especially now with, like with inflation and stuff. But at the time there was money coming in too. And, and so I felt I was probably in the very beginning making like two and a half, three thousand pounds a month. Um, and that was like top 10 YouTubers on the platform. No, like not, not there. No, <laughs> oh, no, okay. I was there. Yeah. By that point, there were a lot of YouTubers doing, okay. doing quite well. Uh, but then things, you know, over the, I'd say kind of between 2013 and 2016, yeah, things got pretty, pretty good in terms of uh, financially. Um, it's not something we really actually spoke about at the time. I think, you know, we, I think there are two reasons. One, we weren't necessarily doing YouTube for that, but it was a byproduct. Um, and two, you, you didn't want to, I, I, we weren't the sort of people who were like, oh, we got, we're making all this money. We want to talk about it. We want to mm -hmm. flex. Whereas now I think there are people who also like to make content about, about that too, which is great. Whereas back then it just wasn't really a thing. So like back then, like. 2013 2016 let, let's say you had like a million subscribers how 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 much money were these sorts of people making yeah so not as much as they are today okay uh, but it was it's less it's never been on subscribers but yeah you know if someone's getting 20 million views a month let's say back then i'd say depends how they monetize i mean from adsense alone maybe like twenty thousand pounds a month okay. from the adsense but i think that would only make up like 10%, you know, they, they could, they could, they could make over a million a year from everything else as well. Like merch and like, or... to be honest, more like they could do that, but like brand deals were, and are still a huge part of, uh, part of it. And then there's also things like uh, deals with uh, platforms. So new platforms cr being created and then YouTube having to kind of start to con counteract that and pay their own creators to stay on the platform and oh. do certain things. Okay. Uh, so yeah, there was there were tons of things going on that you could get to a point where you're making a lot of money. Uh, and now I've just, I mean, seeing what some of these creators are doing, like Mr. Beast, 50 million revenue. I mean, it's insane. Um, but yeah, it was never, you know, in the beginning, something we we thought about. But as it progressed, you do start to go, oh, wow, this is this is a, a career. And, and you can't understand, especially when you, when I was like 19, 20, and like people would say, what are you doing? Uh, or my grandmother would be like, what are, you, what are you doing with your life? And you're like, well, I'm a YouTuber. This is my job. And they're like, well, what's your real job? Uh, and, and, but you would never be like, well, look at my bank account. It's actually a job, I promise. But you would try and explain to them. Uh, and to be honest, the, the, the time my grandmother actually um, understood it was a job worth pursuing was when I met the queen for the first time. And, uh, and then she's like, okay, finally, you've, uh, you've got a real job. You've got a real job now. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Just a quick message from one of our sponsors and we'll get right back to the episode. And this episode is very kindly brought to you by Heights. 
Heights is a brain care smart supplement. It is two capsules that you take every day. I've been taking it for the last 12 months and it contains over 20 evidence-based micronutrients that you need to keep your brain and body healthy. Like I said, I've been taking Heights every day for the last 12 months and through that, I've actually become friends with the founder, Dan, who we actually had on season one of this podcast. And this season, we also have an interview with neuroscientist and psychiatrist Tara Swart, who is the chief science officer at Heights as well. And one of the things I love about Heights is the fact that every single thing they do is very evidence-based. Over on their blog, on their website, they've got tons of articles along with links to all of the different papers that they've cited that show all the benefits of the various micronutrients that they've got in these two little capsules. And the best thing about taking these is that it's just two little capsules every morning, so you don't have to deal with green sludge or any other kind of faffery is just literally taking two pills. It's super easy to sign up. You just go on the website, you put in your address and they send you either a monthly or a quarterly subscription. I sign up to the quarterly one myself because A, it's cheaper and B, I'd have to take fewer deliveries. And if you use the coupon code ALI15 at checkout, that will give you 15% off the already discounted price of the quarterly subscription. So you can try out Heights to your heart's content. So thank you so much Heights for sponsoring this episode and for helping improve my own brain care. I guess... Back in the day, from what I've heard from people who were in or experienced YouTube back in the day, it wasn't even on the cards that you could make money from the thing. Yeah. Whereas over time, like people now see, oh, YouTube, oh yeah, there's yeah, monetization so potential. Yeah. And you get this weird like incentives, yeah. whereas I guess you were doing it for the bants. Whereas to be honest, even in 2017, I started YouTube because I saw there was like some kind of business opportunity here. That's awesome. Um, I mean, yeah, I think it went, it was kind of in the very beginning, I feel like creators were kind of misfits. And I can say that because I'm, you know, putting myself in that, in that bucket. Uh, people who were just kind of internet kids. Um, and then like the next few waves of creators, it, they became a lot more cool kids. And not only that, there were a lot of really talented people who had already done something with their lives. And they were like, okay, YouTube's an opportunity to, to take it to the next level. So, uh, you know, entrepreneurs or or musicians or actors, they all created YouTube channels. So it also became quite competitive. And not only were you competing with people, uh, you're competing with kind of big companies like CNN, or I mean, I don't know why CNN's my yeah. first big company <laughs> on YouTube, uh, but every company now has a YouTube channel. Yeah. And uh, all the and, late night shows, exactly. they all have clips and all that exactly. stuff. What were some of the challenges? So I, I suppose the challenges, I mean, to be honest, I think kind of learning that adults don't always know what's best just because they're older than you. Uh, so when you're young, you're doing really well and you don't know why, it's kind of an accident. Um, you really try and look for advice from other people. And I think growing up, and this is something maybe all young people go through, I definitely did. Uh, you, you, you reach out to people who are older and they must know the answers and you get your advice and then you just do what they say. Uh, and that's not always right. I mean, of course, people who are older, you got to respect them. They usually do have a, a bit more experience, but you got to speak to the right people. You got to make the right um, calls. And, and that's partly why I do what I do today is like, I've made some mistakes, not like in terms of being canceled or, or things like that, but more just things along the way I wish I knew when I was starting, um, things that make things a lot more efficient, uh, can help you in terms of burnout. Things like that. Like, like what? what well, are some other just for example, like just setting up how you set up your affairs as like a, you become a creator, you need to set up a company. How does that work? Where do you do that? How do you do that? Um, 
things like how do you set up a system whereby you don't feel alone as a creator? How do you create a team who can help you be consistent with your content without also taking away from it and making it too kind of maybe corporate? Some creators struggle with that. Like the reason they're so successful is because they're so organic. And then, but how do you keep that organic stuff going yeah. while scaling that up? So yeah, tons of just, there's, there's tons of things. And then just in terms of mental health, how, how do you kind of stay not grounded, but how, a lot of creators I've met uh, struggle with anxiety. I think it's a lot of, not just creators, but just in general, young people. Um, and, and, and having a job whereby there's not that many boundaries, there's no like uh, off switch or you don't go home and you're done and you put up your, your feet. Not saying it's really difficult all the time, but you're kind of always on. And uh, I think you know a lot about that, that sort of stuff. So keen to get your thoughts on boundaries yeah. too. Well, I mean, I, th I think the level of, at which I know is very different to kind of, I, th I, I think the, the super interesting thing, um, this sort of kind of seeing, seeing your story is that you were squarely in like the entertainment category. Yeah. Whereas I'm squarely in the education category. And I feel like it's easier to be in, it's way easier to be in education because you just teach people's stuff. And if I need content, I'll read a book and talk about the book. Yeah. It's like, how the hell do you be entertaining for like nine years in a row? And then also like the whole thing around. Uh, well, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> you make so, some <laughs> shit videos. But carry on. Yeah, the, I think the, the difficulty of staying entertaining for a long period of time, plus also like the fact that I think you developed a very strong and sort of, the sort of lifestyle vloggery type people have this strong parasocial relationship with the audience where they genuinely feel as if they're your friend and will be disappointed if you do anything bad and, and stuff like And also just the, the stratospheric like growth and things and collabing with all these people. That, that's something that I can't relate to at all because it's just felt, felt yeah. pretty chill on my end because. Well, I think that's the genius of what you do. And, uh, you know, you've, you you can create formats a lot more maybe yeah. a lot more than I say an entertainer and I think um, you know your when when I do talk to creators and advise them it's like how can we come up with some formats about what you're doing because you don't want every single time you upload something the next week you, you're like starting from scratch yeah. and that's I think again we we weren't trained we didn't know how this worked it all was kind of accidental uh, we we didn't understand what that really meant and we we eventually started creating formats and. And things evolved, um, but yeah, I mean, I think being a gaming creator must be very challenging. But at the same time, they get these new games that come out every now and then, and they can play those. And like the audience gets excited, like GTA Six is coming out or whatever, and everyone can jump on that. Whereas the entertainment creators are relying on their own relevancy. How can they keep pushing things? And yeah, I I, I definitely very early on saw that. And I think that's also partly why I wanted to start building things that I could be like, if people don't care about me in, in three, four, five years, yeah. especially when I'm 60 or 70 years old, what am I going to do then? Uh, and so that's also partly why I launched the, the companies I launched. This is literally the stuff I think about on a daily basis. But like, you know, I've been doing this for five years now. Like, well, what does it look like five years from now? When I'm 50, will I still be like, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the but channel. You, <laughs> but you've created infrastructure you, i love like the, that's why i also wanted to uh, interview people a lot i feel like then you're not reliant so much just on you it's like bringing other people in their audience enjoys it um, and being a, almost a platform for people rather than it all being about ali yeah so you, okay so how, how did you okay so I, I have so many questions on this the first one um well i haven't done it i didn't do it well myself but i can try and give you advice no, i mean this is uh, how did you 
what were the struggles slash talent challenges with burnout back in the day? Because I guess yeah. like the word wasn't used that often yeah. back in like 2010 yeah. to 2015. It yeah. only really started going into the sort of people's vocabulary recently, exactly. I guess. But And I feel like creators say it a lot. And I think people must be like, what the fuck? Why Why yeah. are you? Sorry, if I, I don't know if I can swear. It's all good. Not. Great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Why are you burnt out? Like your job is to travel the world having fun and you film it. Um, and and so I don't think burnout is by any means exclusive to creators. It's like a universal thing. But I think I saw Grace Beverly talking about this. Like no matter how and she was on your podcast and she said this exact thing. Maybe just put her video in. I don't have to say <laughs> it. But no matter how much you enjoy uh, what you're doing um, and in the beginning, if you do it enough, uh, you start to you start to get burnt out, especially if you push it too much and you don't take breaks and you don't have structure. Um, so I, I mean, personally, I, I just kept pushing through it as long as I could. Um, and then luckily it got to a point where, where I really felt it. And, and instead of making like a big deal out of it or anything, cause it wasn't planned. I just said to myself, take a break. And that break has, has basically led me here. That break was in 2019. Um, and, and I haven't haven't uploaded since, mm. but I suppose what's so lucky is, and and partly planned by me is like I have a, a life outside of YouTube that I I can get up every day and I'm just as excited about as I was making videos. Um, so that's also hard, and I, and I advise creators and YouTubers to have lives outside of their work, uh, or do work outside of YouTube as well that they can do one day. Just a quick message from one of our sponsors and we'll get right back to the episode. And this episode is very kindly brought to you by Shortform. Shortform is the world's best service that summarizes books, but it's way more than just book summaries. They almost have a whole study guide for every book that they've got on the platform where they've got a one page summary. And then they also have chapter by chapter breakdowns. And it's not just chapter by chapter breakdowns. Also in between the chapter breakdowns, they have interactive exercises where you can engage more readily with the ideas in the book. Shortform covers non-fiction books from a bunch of different genres that you might be interested in. For example, they've got a load of stuff in the business world. So if, for example, you're an entrepreneur or you want to become an entrepreneur, that'll be great for you. They've got books in motivation. They've got books in education. They've got books in lifestyle and communication. Basically, any genre of like non-fiction, personal development-y, self-help-y stuff that will help you level up your life. It's all there on Shortform. Shortform publishes new book guides and articles every week. And if you're a subscriber, then you get to vote on what book they cover next. And in fact, through that system, I have voted for various books that they've then turned into summaries. For example, one book I've recently revisited on Shortform is Rework by DHH and Jason Fried, who are the founders of Basecamp. I've read Rework, I think like twice, but the first time I read it was like absolutely ages ago. And so once I saw that they had a summary on Shortform, that was really helpful in allowing me to revisit the lessons that I learned from the book the first time around. And that's one of the things I love about Shortform is like I often stumble upon books that I read like 10 years ago and I'm like, oh, damn. Like I'd actually forgotten most of the lessons from here, but now it's super easy to revisit those lessons without having to actually reread the book. Anyway, if any of that sounds up your street and you would like to sign up to the world's best service that summarizes books, then head over to shortform.com forward slash deep dive and that will give you a completely free five day trial and you can try out the service to your heart's content. That link will also be in the video description and in the show notes. And thank you so much Shortform for sponsoring this episode. How did you maintain consistency over a nine year period? Like <laughs> okay, there's going to be times where you just don't feel like doing yeah, video, but so you sort of feel like, oh, I probably should because the algorithm and stuff yeah. and like, yeah. How, how did you deal with that? Look, I, I think my videos were really getting pretty good near the end. Um, you know, in terms of the beginning and stuff, I was very lucky. A lot of people tuned in because they liked 
either me or my friends or the people I was interviewing. So in terms of consistency, um, it wasn't always that consistent, but at that time on YouTube, people just loved it. It wasn't as maybe uh, difficult. Uh, there wasn't as much choice. And also when there's certain hype around people, they can do anything and people might watch it. So there was a bit of that in the beginning, uh, but in terms of uh, kind of learning how to stay consistent, I think, you know, formats were important. I, I did eventually bring in people who could help. Uh, and, and that's like the secret, that's literally my secret to anything I do in life is, is find people better than me and get them to help me do what I do or, or I can help them do what they do and we can work together. Um, so yeah, and I, I do recommend like also pacing yourselves or pacing yourself in terms of consistency. Uh, and just, I think you have to be passionate. You, it's so hard to do anything if, if you're not enjoying what you're doing. And, and it, it, it's like running a marathon, even though it might be a simple thing like editing a video, if you just aren't enjoying it. Uh, so I think consistency comes when you follow your passions too. Mm. So do you think, for, because there's a lot of people, like I, I, I run this course that helps people kind of start their YouTube channels and have accountability and community and stuff. And a lot of them really struggle with this thing around like, you kind of do have to do it for a long time before you can expect to see any kind of results yeah. or if, if yeah. at all. And the yeah. thing I always say is like, like find a way to make it fun because if you're doing it for the intrinsic joy of doing the thing, you're not worried about the numbers. Yeah. And I find even now to this day, five years on, the, the less I think about numbers, the happier I am. Yeah. And I think if you, if you do it for the, you know, the money, which takes, if you look, I think it's hard because on YouTube, we're constantly served big creators. So we see like the, you know, the tip of the iceberg. So everyone thinks like that's what you get to, but the like 99.9% .9 of people just don't. And so if you're doing it for that, you'll definitely probably quit before you get there. So you got to do it for something else. And then if that happens, that's great. And it's you know, someone like Mr. Beast is a great example. He just loved it. <laughs> he talks about this all the time. And uh, if, if, if you look at him when he started, imagine anyone being able to look at his first video on YouTube and seeing him when he was, I don't know, nine years old. Being like, this is going to be the, the kind of the biggest entertainer in the world in 2022. You just wouldn't know, and he wouldn't know, uh, and so he couldn't like he could, he couldn't have that as a goal because he probably wouldn't he wouldn't have made it. But he had smaller goals. He like for me, like getting partnership was huge, things like that. Uh, so if you enjoy it, that that really helps. What sort of goals did you have along the way other than partnership? Um, I I suppose I I wanted to I wanted to be uh, a talk show host. I thought that was like my idea of heaven. And then <laughs> along the way, I realized that I used to get like massive anxiety every time I was going to interview someone who I really looked up to, who I had to kind of hold a conversation with. After the interview, I was usually happy. But before I would spend like five days just just in utter fear of, of what am I going to ask Ed Sheeran? What... What am I going to say to Kevin Hart? I'm just name dropping here just to That's give great, me a bit of a it, flavor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but it, it wasn't just them. It was the fact like that it was like the people around them, all of that stuff. And, and I actually realized as much as I wanted that goal, it was, it was, uh, it was not necessarily for me. Yeah. So if you were to, let's say during, during the journey, let's say 20, 2010 onwards, um, if you were to have sampled your like contentment, like on a scale of zero yeah. to 10, how content are you day to day? Right now? I, 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 I guess like over time, well, like, what, would that, what would that graph have looked like for you? 
I think in the very beginning, like super content, just getting like five subscribers a day. Uh, and then as things blew up, like, like beyond the scale, like this is a comedy, this is happening. Everything's so new, everything's so exciting. And then, and then actually, funny enough, even at like the height of it, I probably felt like I was achieving less than, than I felt when I was getting five subscribers a day, which is really weird. I think partly because you compare yourself to people around, around you and I was surrounded by other people killing it. And you're always like, okay, um, like how do I get there? Um, but I think it's also just human nature. You get kind of used, used to it. Um, and then the pressure also gets added. Uh, you know, I think it's natural to look at a hundred comments and you see 99. I people say this a thousand times and, and they're all positive, but you look at the one negative and that brings you down. But yeah, this is, it's, it's by no means a sob story. I, I, I'd say not, my contentment didn't last to the, at, like it was in the very beginning, but it was still great. I still had a great time, met amazing people. Um, but you definitely get used to whatever it is that you achieve in life. Mm -hmm. If it's, you know, if it's money, if it's fame, if it's uh, being a rewarded for your academic achievements, I think you do get used to it and your happiness can't derive from those things. Uh, and, and if they, you know, th there is a certain base level whereby it's definitely difficult if you don't have, say, a certain amount of money. And, and, but once you get past that, doesn't make people happier at all yeah so it's a what, great lesson to learn yeah i know right um uh, but what, a billion i think it would change yeah, right? a billion then I'd yeah be so happy. i mean most people say that if you if you take their net worth and multiply it by three then they'd be happy yeah like, oh i just need three times but then, as much wow i've seen some, I've, met some, I've met some very uh so i've met some billionaires who just are very unhappy so. why why do you think that is like Every, because, because loads of people say this, but like, oh, there's so many unhappy billionaires. But yeah. like for someone, for a normal person, it's like, oh, well, it's it's easy to yeah. look at that and think. I think, I think, again, like fame, money, whatever it is, it kind of accentuates um, whatever your personality is. So I think there's some billionaires who um, are very probably really nice people and some really famous people. A lot of famous people are really nice people. And it's just made them even nicer because now they can do it on like a crazy level. <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, if you're not like a happy person, I think it can make it way worse because you, maybe you think, oh, this is going to finally bring you happiness and you get there and you're like, oh, well, this hasn't worked. Um, and then also everyone's kind of saying yes to you all the time, I'm sure. And that probably adds to, to everything. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating. It's, it is kind of, it's kind of scary that a lot of people do spend their whole lives like after that. And it's hard to like say hundred percent it doesn't actually lead to it but i think from everything everyone's seen in the world even if you look at you know people in the public eye and you see what happens to them when they get there they, it's it's not always right yeah. it's not always good yeah did, did you see any like not uh, that i've got there by the way i'm talking about right. people no, met. <laughs> like there's a there's almost a trope that you see of you know musicians and stuff that they they get famous and then suddenly they're on drugs and alcohol going to rehab etc etc et um I even look at like Ed Sheeran as someone who has avoided that yeah. somehow. <laughs> yeah, um, but he had a, he. I think yeah. he struggled with anxiety, mm. and he's spoken about that a lot. And and that's kind of extent again that there's a there's there's something like it just it makes whatever you maybe have in your life a lot more extreme. Yeah. Um. In the I guess in the in the world of creators, YouTubers, what were the like 
what did you see as being like the downsides of, of fame? YouTube is very transparent. So everyone sees exactly how things are going. I think, you know, in the, in, in the, in the old days as an actor, or maybe it's also quite similar with a musician. Maybe that's why they get so stressed. But like everyone can see exactly how you're doing on YouTube every time. So you're only as kind of good as your last video. And I think no matter what people say, and they're like, I don't care like how it's going or whatever. They look at that and they're like, fuck, that video's not got 10 million views in a day. I wanted 12, which is so weird because you're like, 10 million views is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think you see that at every every level of yeah. the, the thing. And this is why I, I often, like, I find that, you know, the numbers wax and wane when you see the analytics just in front of you every single day. It's just like, it's just oh, crazy. You know, the last video was 8 out of 10 on the analytics. God, oh, next one really needs to be good. Oh, shit, the next yeah. one's not good. Oh, crap. 100%. Beginning of the end, like, I'm irrelevant now. No one's going to care. Uh, were you having those sorts of thoughts? Back well, yeah, the, the problem yeah. is when, when you allow the good to make you feel happy, you allow the bad to make you feel sad. And so you got to almost avoid getting too excited when things are going well with certain things because you got to try and find that happiness outside. Like, I've got this most incredible girlfriend, Amber, and uh, we've been together for five years now. And, you know, I'm currently going through, uh, you know, many things with my businesses, good, bad, loads of great things. And sometimes there's, there's, there's difficult days and like going home and not, and just kind of switching off and getting my happiness from just hanging out with her is a lot healthier. And, and it, it, it makes me feel like hopefully when things don't go so well, cause that's bound to happen, that hopefully that won't affect me as much if I, as long as I don't let the really good stuff make me super happy. Not, not saying don't take any happiness from it, but don't rely on it for, for your happiness. Yeah. In 2017, you talked about, you made a video talking about your experience with having Tourette's. Yeah. For people who might not mm. have heard about it and like, like what is yeah. Tourette's and yeah, yeah, yeah. how did that affect your life? Yeah. So um, Tourette's, I think in the mainstream media is people who swear a lot and they just can't control it. And they say like really inappropriate things or people who do like loads of things with their arms, mm. which is kind of physical tics. Uh, or uh, and, and I kind of I struggled a little bit with both, but less swearing. I, I used to whistle, used to bob my head like that, used to click my leg. Um, actually, one time we were uh, on safari in South Africa, and there was an elephant, and our our car broke down. Kind of like it wouldn't start the we couldn't start the engine. It was and it was looking at us, and it was going like. Whoo with its ears, you know, when, and that's when they, that's when they hate you. Like, like oh, hello. Yeah. Um, and, and then I just, I just had to make this monkey noise. Like, I know it sounds ridiculous, but like I screeched. And that was kind of the, one of the first times my parents were like, okay, shit. Like, I think I was like six at the time. And then like, this is, he can't control these things. We researched it. There wasn't that much out about it at the time. Um, and yeah, eventually got on lots of medication. Some of the medication actually, led to horrible allergic reactions. Um, but yeah, it got really bad around 12 years old. Just got, obviously it's something quite easy to bully someone about. So I got a bit bullied. Um, teachers would kind of kick me out of class if they didn't really understand it, which sounds crazy because we explained it to them, but maybe they, they thought I was still taking the piss. Um, and yeah, it, it, it was, it was, it was tough, but what made it better was when I was, when I was ever, fo when I was focusing on so something. So if I was playing tennis 
or if I was playing computer games or if I was making YouTube videos um, or even now, like I'm focusing, um, it always improved. And, and so I think that's partly why I got so obsessed with, well, maybe lots of people in South Africa were out there uh, hanging out with their friends and so on. Maybe I was more obsessed in, in what I was doing because it was an escape. Uh, so yeah, but now I think around 50%, I don't know what the stat is, but a lot of people with Tourette's when they're younger, uh, when they get older, it gets a lot better. Um, and, and so I'm one of those lucky ones who it hasn't gotten worse. It's kind of gotten a lot better for me. Uh, but yeah. Wow. That, yeah. So how, how was it kind of making a video about it, talking about the experience? So interestingly, it was never kind of a big part of what I did, but I realized that there were going to be a percentage of my followers who had Tourette's and there was nothing better than when I, when I heard that the, uh, the U S football goalkeeper had Tourette's. I don't even know his name. It's not a big deal to me, but just hearing of someone's kind of successful having Tourette's made me feel really good. So I was like, okay, maybe there'll be someone in my audience who can listen to this. So I made a video about it. Um, and yeah, people reacted really well. I'm sure there were some some comments, but that was the time when I looked at the positive comments and I was like, that's great. Uh, and yeah, it's something it's something I'm actually proud of um, that I that I went through because I think it's important to have challenges in life. And uh, yeah, that's something I ch I had as a challenge. You um, I read somewhere that you had uh, you were into like mindfulness and meditation and like what was your journey with those things? So. My mom used to do it and she used to try to get me to meditate when I had Tourette's and that didn't work. <laughs> so um, many years later, uh, it's, it's, this is actually during lockdown. So I had this crazy experience where I didn't see people very much. And, and then when I did, for some reason, I was getting so socially anxious. And it could be something like sitting in the car with a really good friend, like my best friend. I could be in the car with him. And I you basically have a panic attack and it, it really came out of nowhere. And I'm not sure if it's related to just stress at the time or I, I still don't know why it happened, but I, I sought out therapy and, uh, yeah, we worked through it. But one of the things the guy recommended was to meditate. And so I downloaded the calm app and, uh, I, I, I learned about experiencing feelings in my body and thoughts and kind of noticing them for what they are and not taking them as seriously as I used to. But yeah, it, that said, it was still, it doesn't just fix it. It's not one of those things. I think some people think like, if I meditate 10 times this week, everything's going to be good. You, you still have, there's still other factors at play. Uh, but over time, it's definitely kind of helped um, alongside just doing things again and doing things that I'm uncomfortable with. Mm. Uncomfortable uh, with? So yeah, like for example, podcasts. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not asked on that many podcasts, but I've been asked on probably 10 podcasts this year and, uh, I've said no to every single one. And because I was like, what if I have a panic attack while I'm doing a podcast, which really? is, you'd probably look at me now and you're like, you probably don't seem like that. Um, but, but yeah, I, so I was avoiding it. And then I was like, I got the DM from you. And I'm already getting a lot better. Like the last kind of year and a half, I've just been trying to do things that make me scared. And I was like, okay, this is a great opportunity. He seems like a really nice guy. <laughs> oh, this is not going to be intimidating. <laughs> and now I'm going to do it. And even before this, I'm obviously, I was pretty nervous. Um, but, but now I've done it, I'm going to probably do more. And so that's also my advice is one is meditating. 
But two, if something really scares you, obviously don't jump right into the deep end, but try and do it because it's way worse in your head. Uh, especially things like sitting in the car with my friend. I mean, there's nothing dangerous about that, but something about that was was giving me anxiety. And you didn't have anxiety before this? Um, not so much, no, no. Wow. But but I think it is related, Tourette's, I mean, Tourette's, ADD, bit of OCD, all of these things are kind of related. Uh, so yeah, you know, uh, it, it's something, it's something my, you know, my mom struggled with, my sister struggles with. So yeah, but I think, you know, again, it's one of those things which at the time it's, it, it sucks and, and so on. But if you can use it to teach yourself lessons and also appreciate when you're not feeling anxious and you're just like, wow, I feel normal. Um, and, and then you just enjoy s simple things and then, then it's actually it's a bit of a power too. What, what does your meditation practice look like? So it, it's, it's, it's super competitive. The opposite of what meditation should be. I, uh, no. I, I I basically sit down um, and and listen to to calm. What's her name on calm? There's this one Teresa. Is her name Teresa or something? Everyone, people in the comments will know who I'm talking about. Uh, and she basically does a guided meditation, and I do that. Uh, but sometimes, even even before I'm doing something that's difficult, I'll just take some time to breathe. I'll no matter what happens, I'll feel nervous. Like yeah. I can't stop that. And I'll, but I'll notice what that is, and I'll be like, okay, what's the worst that can happen? You can end up in hospital. What's the worst that can happen? You could die. Okay, that sucks. <laughs> I'm <laughs> catastrophizing here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's what usually goes through my brain. <laughs> so then what do you do? But then I'm just like, fuck! Then I yeah. just go and do it. No, you, gotta, you just got to do it. And then I just feel like you just, you, you breathe. You can even get things like this, which you might think, why do I have this? And when I first met you, we shook hands and I had it in my hand. You yeah. probably don't remember. Yeah, yeah. But this is like, it's just like something I can play with. It distracts me. Things like that. You just come up with your own, like, come up with your own stories of things that work for you. Maybe going for a run, for example, in the morning could also help uh, uh, kind of really stress, things like that. Um, makes life quite fun. Coming up with ways to get through things. And then the best thing is once you finally do something you're really nervous about or you struggled with in the past and you actually do it, there's no better feeling. Like after this podcast, I'm just going to go home being like, like yeah, yeah, I did it. Battle through. Exactly. Yeah. So this is something I've been, I've been looking into a fair bit. I mean, firstly, thank you for being so open. This is, oh, no. this is great. Like, um, I'm sure there are, there are people listening to this who, have, who are well, that's fully what, again, relating with all of the things you're saying and like, oh my God, thank yeah. God someone's talking about this. Well, I saw, yeah. I think, saw Lewis Capaldi recently talking yeah. about this. And I was like, that's, that makes me feel good. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not just me. So, yeah, because seeing him struggle makes me feel great. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> especially with a lot, of the, a lot of the mental health stuff as well, like, it's, it's, it's so easy to think that this is just the way I am, this is normal, mm. and that no one else has, has those struggles. But yeah. hearing kind of people like you being open about it on podcasts is yeah. just like super nice. And yeah, helpful. thank you. I've been doing a bunch of research for the book that I'm writing around um, like uh, energy yeah. and, and, and like uh, sympathetic versus parasympathetic nervous system. Um, I pretend I know what those mean. Sympathetic nervous system, you know, when, when you're in sort of stress mode, when you're yeah, in fight or flight yeah, mode. Okay, yeah. And so you literally, you know this stuff well. He, Can you give me a, a session? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll give it a go. Um, but there's, it's sort of even people who say that they don't, who who wouldn't identify with struggling with anxiety. Uh, there's some stat that like 75% of the workforce, in at least in the US, feels that sort of 
sympathetic activation in that sort of stress anxious mode while they're at work. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff around how evolutionarily it made sense that, you know, there was a bit of a threat in the grass and now you want to be in fight or flight mode because you might have to run away from a tiger. But, you know, having a conversation with your boss at work or mm. being in the car with your friend, like where the the brain tricks us into being in reactive flight, fight or flight mode. And weirdly, there's like so much science around just like deep breathing, like, yeah. you know, short circuit sympathetic mode activates parasympathetics, which is like rest and recharge mode. And retraining yeah. again. I'm not going to know the words that you know, like retraining those those things in your brain that kind of every time at that point when I w well, didn't want to get in a car, I was like every time I got to a car, it just happened, and you just got to slowly learn how to deal with it, and eventually you can retrain your mind not to have that feeling. And so that's why you know people who who get to where they get to it, it's from practice they don't not everyone starts off super confident and uh, and and uh, able to do everything it takes time and that's why i love hearing people like lewis capaldi or whoever it is saying like how difficult it was yeah yeah so 2019 you upload your last youtube yeah. video you decide that you're, you're going to take a break yeah i should have made has, like a, i'm quitting youtube video yeah, that, that would have got been, so many that views that would have been good i need to have been like ninja recent yeah. thing I'm, I'm, I'm back baby yeah, that'd be um, why did you take that extended break and why did it extend yeah. for so long so yeah it was also around the time things were kind of going into lockdown so i was taking i think around the time if i remember correctly i took like a few months break the businesses also that I'm involved in. So I've, I've got a, a few things that I do outside of YouTube and mm. they were really starting to take up a lot of time. And I, at the same time, I wasn't enjoying what I was doing as much. I don't think my audience was even enjoying what I was doing that much at the time. There, I, there just wasn't this feeling of like uh, momentum. And, and so I, I, just, I just, just didn't think about it too much. I was like, I'm gonna take a few weeks. Uh, and that that turned into years, uh, and now I'm loving what I'm doing, uh, and and so I suppose to be a YouTuber now, um, you, you really have to. It has to be a big priority, and it has to kind of almost be a full time job unless you have a, a great team. Uh, so I and I wasn't prepared to to do that because I needed to also focus on on my other ventures. Yeah. So. When you say momentum and you felt the audience wasn't enjoying it, like what were those signs? What was that like? So, I mean, yeah, it's just, I feel like, you know, views aren't at the same place as, as they were when you were, when you're on your way up. Uh, but yeah, also struggling with ideas, struggling just to be like, I want to make this video. I, I think YouTube, it went also from a place whereby if you had a certain amount of subscribers, those subscribers would see your content to being about how much time was your audience watching your video. So the watch time became super important. Um, and yeah, that was, that was, it's difficult. It's difficult to keep going, especially as we spoke about earlier in terms of entertainment and, and YouTube. And yeah, I just, I just, I just saw it as a great opportunity to, to, to focus what I, on what I was doing and not also, I didn't want to stay on YouTube as, as long as I possibly could and just wait. I wanted to be like, this was a great chapter in my life. I really enjoyed it. It went really well. And now I'm doing this. So what was the what was the um story behind the first the first I kind of offshoot business? Yeah, so so my one of my companies is called influencer.com. 
that's a good domain thank you how much thank does that cost you. yeah can i mean say? so my co-founder actually got it <laughs> okay. uh, but yeah it's, it's, it's like a house um, <laughs> wow. it's, but it's it's definitely helpful yeah. um so essentially I, at the time uh my co-founder was like uh he was about 20 years old he was friends with my girlfriend at the time mm. and he asked her if he could meet with me um and 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 we met and uh and i spent like three hours with him just uh, firstly what you said i was so impressed by the domain uh and, <laughs> and and then he kind of told me about his dream of of helping creators um work with brands at scale and and i just thought the one big problem right now with the space is that creators are working with brands they don't really like to work with uh, and there's not much choice for creators and and so I was like, this is a great opportunity for for creators to be able to make a living from what they do and choose the right brands to work with. And hopefully their audience will see that too. And then they'll be happy for the creator. Uh, so yeah, that's how we kind of got going. The vision was to build meaningful relationships between brands, creators, and their audiences. Uh, and at the time it was just the two of us. Uh, since then we've, we've scaled the team uh, to five countries. We've got 93 people there. Um, and yeah, we've, we've worked with amazing brands, uh, amazing agencies and yeah, just so proud of the culture we built there yeah. the leadership team. Um, yes, it's, it's been a great experience. What's, what's your role? So I'm, I'm chief visionary officer and co-founder. So I get really involved in a number of areas. Firstly, I am uh, Ben shoulder to cry on, who's our CEO. Mm -hmm. Everything that happens, he comes to me. And we talk about it. And I, that's really great when you have a business where you have a, a, a co-founder that you're so open with. Um, essentially, I, I help guide the product, you know, what creators want, because I speak to a lot of creators. I was a creator. Um, then also working with the brands and helping guide their creative strategy. So what, what kind of content works on different platforms? And not only on different platforms, what kind of content works on the features within those platforms? And it sounds quite obvious, but when you're working with a brand who says we want to work with 300 creators and we want to create this campaign and it needs to hit this, this, and this, and then all the different creators within that have their own um, styles, their own objectives, and you kind of have to bring that all together. That's when you need a company that not only has incredible uh, people working there who understand the space, but also the technology, which connects everything together so for example pulls in information from the apis to share with the brand making sure it's all legitimate and it's not screenshots um that's what we've built at influencer that's that's super exciting so what is what is the product because i think i last looked at it in 2018 or 2019 something like that yeah. where i was i was like oh i can work with starbucks and then it was like oh yeah. but you and it's like oh you connect your yeah, I was, yeah. it was very very solid onboard i was like wow this is thank you good yeah onboarding. yeah and it's yeah. To be honest, we, we didn't focus on creators for the first kind of four or five years as much as I'd like to in terms of the product yeah. uh, because we needed to get the brands um, on board. So mm. we needed to build great products for them so that they would spend more money with our creators. Yeah. Uh, but now we're, we're able to, to focus on the creators a lot more when it comes to products. So we have Waves for Advertisers, which essentially allows the, the brands to log on choose the creators they want to work with. Once that happens, um, they're able to kind of kind of guide the content, exactly how it's going to look, how it's going to feel, approve it, uh, and then also receive all the analytics afterwards. So it's kind of like, you know, what Trello board looks like. So it's like kind of like a Trello board, but 
within each um, within each uh, layer, the, the 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 stats are being pulled in directly from the APIs. So it's all in one place. It allows again people might not realize but like influencer marketing there's so many stages to it you know you might have a brand then you have uh, an agency then you have us sometimes who comes in then you have a manager and then you have a talent so you've got five stakeholders all wanting to approve a piece of content and so it's very difficult when you're doing that with 300 creators with five of those people yeah and so basically the product does that for them and and for for creators, we've got uh, waves for creators now, which is coming out um, uh, on app right now. Right now it's web app, but now it's coming out on iPhone and Android, and it's essentially allows creators to build media kits uh, that pulls in their information automatically. Yes, that's handy. Uh, so you can have one link you share with <laughs> oh, everyone. That's so and convenient. It's you don't have to screenshot little things and like, update the stats manually. Exactly, and then obviously it's also going to allow you to work with brands and be discoverable. Um, and yeah, it's very very exciting, but. It is it is different, I suppose. A lot of creators um, I speak to build uh, consumer-facing businesses, uh, which they could come on your podcast and they can be like, "There's my product, come and yeah. buy it." And and I kind of always wanted to do B two B stuff, and I I think it's because I was I maybe struggled. I'm not good at selling to my own audience. I know what you mean. It's really hard selling to individuals. Exactly. Like, whereas B two B businesses want to spend money to make money like exactly a, and and only and yeah. also it's kind of more unique as a creator in that space because only 10 percent, i think of creator businesses are are b2b whereas the rest are consumer yeah so yeah, it been, was a kind of a good spot for me to go into oh, yes, it's, it's really solid like I've, I've been speaking to a few people who have um on the podcast recently who have had like big multi tens of millions of dollars exits yeah um from B2B companies, B2B marketing thingies that yeah. have a bit of a technology underlay. It seems yeah, like yeah. you guys have a strong technology exactly. un and underlying foundation. No, like business is very valuable. And exactly. it's not tied to you as an individual and your own personal relevancy. Exactly. Which must and be that, like very non-stressful exa in a way. exactly yeah. what I wanted to try and do. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's been great. And then um, we also ha I also have Margravine with Joe Sugg. So Margravine's a management company that we started with. Do you know WME IMG? Yeah, I've heard of those. They're yes. big like agency. Yeah, they like yeah. they represent people uh, like uh, Jessica Alba. Yeah. I don't know why that's the one celebrity that comes to my <laughs> mind. Um, but we convinced them to launch a management company with us that basically could help our talent when it comes to both their digital careers, but also the more traditional stuff. So it's kind of bringing those two things together. And the reason I love that is because I get to work with like creators who are starting out today and try and act like a grandfather and be like, back in my day, yes. it worked like this. <laughs> and this is what I did. These are the mistakes I made. Um, and then we've built a great team there too. So we've, we actually just opened an office in LA last week. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been really fun. What is, what does a day in your life look like? Or yeah, a, week, I mean, a week in your life if it's too, yeah. yeah. So, cause I'm working across multiple things. There's two other things we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah. Actually. Okay. So for context, <laughs> like what, what are those, to. what are the two other things? And then so, we can yeah. map this out. So we've got proper living. I mean, I just, this is why it's embarrassing when people say, what do you do? And then I try and go into like this speech. I'm like, people are probably thinking you're just some guy from LA who thinks he does all of these things, but, um, but basically, I got another thing called proper living, uh, which is a student accommodation business, an excuse for me to go back to South Africa. And so we have like 200 oh, apartments. .co.za, I remember that exactly. domain. Oh, those are the days. And that actually is consumer. Yeah. However, funny enough, we're also selling to buildings. So we're, we want them to use our brand so that we then how, can sell to How the, the hell did you start a student property rental business? Yeah, so 
What the? So it, yeah. So <laughs> you it was go from an, an entertainment YouTuber to student pro, like it's, it's what, been around a real estate mogul. <laughs> What's going I mean, on there? Yeah. So essentially, it was uh, an opportunity brought to me as an investment. So they said, "Do you want to invest in this property? It's going to be a student accommodation business." And I said, "Like that's cool. Like, maybe I'll do it." But it, it struck me that um, student accommodation in South Africa, at least, I'm sure it's like this internationally too, but it had terrible social media. It had terrible marketing. It had mm. terrible branding. And so I thought, okay, I'll invest the money, but I also want to basically start a company where, whereby we build a brand. And then going forward, when you build buildings, you use my brand and 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 we go like that. So yeah, we, we built this really cool brand. We, we started with a building with 90 rooms. We've got now our third building this year, so we'll be over 200. And we have a waiting list of like 1.5k students in Cape Town, which, which is crazy because um, there's not that many kids in Cape Town. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, what's great about it is 1.5k is not a lot of people in terms of like a consumer product. No, but, but when I mean, it comes to accommodation, it's very meaningful. Number. That's like buildings worth. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's what's quite fun is like we've we've seen this kind of this product that is 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 usually you know, it's a, it's kind of a big ticket item for someone, but it wasn't being sold correctly to people. So that what's the idea so, there. So what do you, what do you do with this, with this company? So with proper living or? Yeah, with, yeah, with proper living. So proper living, we're just scaling over the next like 30 years. Yeah, but like what, what do you personally oh, do? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a founder, uh, a co-founder and uh, on the board. And basically I just help, help, help run it. But with proper living, we have a great management team. I'm, I'm not kind of like day to day on the ground trying to check people into their rooms. But uh, that's also something I've, again, to do all of these things, it sounds a bit crazy and you're like, how do you, why do you do all of these things? It's really the teams I've put together or the teams that have come together and then they've wanted me to be involved. Uh, and then I really let them like do what they do, which is like operate. Yeah. And I'm there to really just help elevate. Nice. That sounded very cringy, but I mean, I mean, this is, no, I've, I'm loving this. Like, this is like kind of, if we think of what does the evolution of a creator look like, it's like, you've got, you know, starting off doing all the YouTube videos yourself, doing your own editing and stuff. Then you've got sort of the next level where you build a bit, little bit of a team around you. Like I've got okay. my editor, I've got my thumbnail guy. Well, I never did that. that like. I skipped oh, that, but yeah. You skip, you skip that step. And then it's always like, all right, cool. Now I need to build products and shit yeah. within the own ecosystem. So you try and sell stuff to your own audience. And then it's like, oh crap, this is all still based on my own relevancy. Therefore, let me build a brand like James Hoffman's physical yeah. goods company. That Let me build a brand that is not within that's not tied to my own relevancy, but I can just be the marketing driver or the the marketing director for, for the said brand. And, and it's like, you've sort of gone to sort of two levels up, which is even, which, which is like, okay, cool. Let, let's build a brand. Let me be the, the co-founder or maybe the owner and we'll get another team to operate it. And then it's like, you know, sort of the next level up, up from that is like, I'm going to be a board member and co-founder of multiple things, hire a CEO and like a management team to run all of them so that I get to do the fun visionary type marketing type stuff. <laughs> And other people get to do the boring day-to-day -day yeah. management stuff. <laughs> I wish it was all planned. But <laughs> like it, it just kind of, the, as it's things like, go and develop yeah. over time, you, I suppose you get a leverage. Either is it money that you could invest into something or have you got a ton of, you have a network that you could introduce people to. Um, and, and yeah, you just find great people. You make sure that they really are passionate about what they're doing. 
Uh, but yeah, I've yeah been super fortunate. I mean, the these the, the people running these companies are, are are like the heroes. So I'm just like the lucky guy. So so we've got influencer, we've got the management, we've got proper living. What's okay, item so number four on All the portfolio? Right. So this is this is super exciting. An exclusive for you. We're doing water. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Sorry, that's not that. <laughs> Speaking of. That's a good uh, but uh, no, so I have a, I've got a fund as well now uh, that I'm a partner in. Um, that so, sounds fancy. What is a fund? So it's called Creative. What is a fund? Or yeah. What is the what fund? Is a, what is a fund, a fund? And what is the fund? So there's many different types of funds. Uh, this is a venture capital fund. Uh, so we invest in early stage, early stage startups. We take kind of a small ticket size, usually like one percent of the business. Um, and uh, we help we help the entrepreneurs scale. Pre-seed, Series A. Between seed and Series A. Okay. Uh, sometimes we have done a B before, a Series B, and basically these are just different stages in companies uh, in the, kind of their their raising capital careers, raising capital careers in their in their growth journeys. And uh, yeah, I mean, right now, kind of the the titles are being a bit blurred with some people. Like they're changing, like they're saying we're doing a pre-seed, a pre-pre-pre-seed, and yeah. all these things. <laughs> but pre, usually, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, usually the business we invest in are worth kind of between you know twelve million to fifty million, and uh, we we try and you know get get a not a not a big amount. We don't yeah. come in there as the lead, but we invest. How did you set this up? Was this a thing someone came to you and was like? Casper, mate, you should be a partner in this VC fund. <laughs> so, yeah. So, essentially, um, early on, uh, when I started Influencer, other entrepreneurs started to come to me and, and basically say, would you like to be an investor? They like the idea, I think, of having um, a creator on their cap table, someone yeah. who could talk about their, their, their company. Uh, and I think they also like the idea that I also had my own kind of business and, and, and maybe there are some experiences yeah. which I could share with them. Um, and so I've got a genius partner called Sasha Kaletsky. And uh, at the time he was at Harvard Business School being really smart. He was like top like 1% of everything he ever do did. Uh, and and he and I kind of I I said to him, is this a good investment? Because I wasn't an investor. I, I didn't know what what a good investment looked like, especially in venture capital, which is a very unique asset class. And and he saw some of them, and he was like, mm, that's not good. That's not good. Oh well, that that is good. Actually, can I invest in that with you? And we went to the we went to the the, the founders, and they're like, yeah, you can invest with Casper. And and so he kind of realized that as just a very smart guy. The, the founders weren't that interested in having him just invest because they could get, especially the, the best companies in the world, they can get money from any, anywhere. But, but, the, but what the founders wanted uh, was, was creators on their cap table uh, and then celebrities, musicians, people that they could talk about or could yeah. talk about their products. Yeah, Ashton Kutcher. Exactly. <laughs> people like that. Exactly. So, so then Sasha was like, hmm, what about if, uh, what about if we put together a collective uh, of creators and we all start investing together. So essentially we invested in about uh, kind of seven companies uh, with YouTubers, musicians, actors, and we would just bring them deals and we would invest. Uh, and then Sasha, uh, my partner, he would he would invest his own money. So he was just making money by being able to come into these uh, really good uh, investments. And that did really well. There were some great paper returns. It was a good time. But then we also had an exit in a company called Faceit, uh, which is a gaming platform. Uh, and, and that sold. It merged with another company, but then eventually it was $1.5 billion it sold for. 
And so, yeah, we had, oh, we, had we kind of, re yeah, we re hell. returned our fund. Yeah. Um, uh, well, not our fund at the time. It was just a group of us investing, yeah. but we returned all the money. So we of were the investing. seven companies, one of them returned the fund. Or one of them returned all the investments. Yeah. Sick. It was great. <laughs> so now everything else, everything's still going. There's yeah. some really good, uh, they're, they're, they're absolutely killing it. Yeah. Um, but like within three years, you don't really expect. Yeah. I mean, it's more like a five to 10 exits. year time exactly. horizon, isn't it? Um, but but then people saw that and uh, and Sasha was working at a company called Bridgepoint, which is like a huge private equity firm. They've got like thirty billion under assets or something. And um, and he he told them he wanted to set up a fund, and we 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 set it up, and they uh, some of the top guys there invested. Um, and yeah, we 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 set out to raise like ten million dollars uh, or something like that. Uh, we raised twenty million dollars, um, and now we get to invest in some incredible cons consumer internet startups um, around the world alongside incredible creators. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very fun. Why, why are you doing all this? Why not put, why not put your feet up, have, have a good time with Amber, like live the, live the chill life? It's, uh, it's just, to be honest, like working with, with good people, I really enjoy. I think when we go back to what I said about those businesses I, was, I am involved in, I am operationally involved, but but I I do see myself as a as an investor. Yeah. Like I love I love to do loads of things. I don't like having all my eggs in a single basket, and and so I th I think like investing in stuff is great because I can I can help them in terms of giving them advice as a, as an entrepreneur, but also kind of navigate this social media space. And a lot of these companies now. Um, they they take social media very seriously that's how a lot of them grow uh as you know and um and so yeah i feel like i can provide value i like to wake up every day and have a challenge it's it's just good fun and uh you know we're just getting started i'm i'm still in my in my 20s yeah that's so let's see so no not time to uh i guess retire yet because something okay so uh, i've i've had a few chats on this pod in the, in the, in the last few days where I've had this idea floating in my mind of, hey, this seems, seems kind of cool working with businesses and stuff. Then I think, oh, I'm only 28. Why would anyone listen to me? And I was like, freaking like you're literally doing the thing that's like at the pinnacle of <laughs> kind of the evolution of creator economy. Well, um, I, I think it it's like, it's again, it's the people I'm, who I'm working with. I'm somehow getting very lucky with, with getting them to, to wanting to, to, to do stuff with me. And so like, for example, the fund without Sasha it doesn't exist but I'm hopefully providing him with something where he can also say the same thing. And so that's what a really good partnership feels like. Um, so yeah, I feel like you've, it, it goes back maybe to the really start of my career on YouTube was I couldn't convince people to collaborate with me when I had 20 subscribers. I couldn't convince people with like 10,000 subscribers to collaborate with me then. But when I got to 10,000 subscribers, I could do stuff with them. When I got to whatever I got to, you can start to do stuff with people. And so what what I recommend is just really collaborate with as many people as you can. And don't just say on day one, I'm going to reach out to Elon Musk and ask him to in, invest in my company. Build up slowly, get people who are doing stuff. And as you build up and you get more and more people to help you, you eventually get more and more leverage. And then yeah. eventually somehow you're doing cool shit and yeah. people... People kind of think you just got there overnight, but there's like years and years of work that went yeah. into that. I guess it's worth bearing in mind, you started in like 2010. So like you've been... Yeah, but you I mean, you're killing it. I've seen I've seen how many people are, uh, are downloading uh, your, your courses. Uh, yeah, but like huh? you know, view to subscriber ratio is going down over come time, on, and all that. On. Will that be relevant three years from now? All, all of that shit, you know. But that's usual. the thing. I feel like there's there's just such an opportunity for anyone who understands the space like you do. New media, 
you, there's just so many things you can do and it doesn't just have to be your stuff it, it can be helping for example do you know josh peters he he does like oh, pranks yeah. josh yeah. peters and archie manners yeah so he's like my best friend oh, right. uh we actually live together still and uh he he does these incredible youtube videos but he also realizes like th that's great but he can also help he can create his own ad advertising company. Like he can help other brands that kind of share his vision and are quite cheeky. He can help them create incredible content. And yeah. so now he's doing that as well. Nice. And so I really, I guess, if there are any creators listening, gonna create a bit of competition for myself, which I probably shouldn't, but like, don't just look at creating consumer products. Yeah. Look at look at the B2B space too. Help, help do some stuff there and, and get everyone on the same, wavelength because a lot of brands out there don't know what they're doing mm. and uh we got to help them what what drives you these days what drives me presumably it's not making more money i just <laughs> presumably but like i mean I, there's always like a bit of a part of it Invest investors are always like oh yeah. exactly but like really no. come on <laughs> um what drives yeah. me i suppose it's 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 going back to doing little challenges trying to do things i'm scared of because i get like a huge rush once i've done it yeah uh, but yeah, I, I, I kind of, it's like doing cool shit. <laughs> yeah. Doing cool shit. Just enjoying love. I don't, I, I, I kind of just every day I, I, I look at my calendar and it's, it's kind of made up of a little bit of influence, a little bit of margarine, a little bit of, uh, creative ventures and so on. And it's so fun to like get to meet all these people right now. I also enjoy, um, kind of, uh, mentoring some people in my company who are maybe this is, could be their first job. Uh, and things like that and just getting to speak to them and yeah. seeing what they're doing that kind of stuff i know that's the, that's what you have to say when you you're on a podcast what else inspires me um i don't know i guess ch challenge without that's i think a lot of i've spoken to someone who actually and you, you've spoken to many of these people who've sold um a business maybe they've built up and they've like thought the day that they sell their business will be the happiest day of their life and it's a very happy day but what happens is like a week or two later they start like itching and going, what, what, what's my meaning? Like, I don't want to just go and play golf for, for the rest of my life. And they realize like that humans are built to have challenges. It's like when you play The Sims on cheat mode, right? Hmm. Am I right? Did yeah. you, what was the cheat mode on The Sims? I remember. I, Do you remember, I remember the, there was used, a word? I used, it was like I, unlimited. Like, I, used what's play, I, got? I used to play Sim City. Yeah. Did you ever cheat. play on cheat? I oh yeah. And was it, that more fun or less fun than it was it was always fun for a bit. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh what's it like to get Taipei one oh one, let's shove that twin towers, let's put them in the town, let's get the Empire State Building, put it over there. All right, I'm, yeah. I'm bored now. Yeah, 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 um, yeah exactly. So, whereas if I'd if I'd taken it seriously, I would have understood. But I'm definitely not fun. playing life on cheat mode yet. It's still <laughs> yeah. St still some zeros to go. Still some time um, to go. Let's say, I don't know, let's say you had a hundred million in the bank. Uh what would there be any difference between your calendar in that hypothetical and now probably not no nice that's a good place to be yeah 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 because yeah, that's that was like three weeks ago i had had a hundred yeah. million so that's it <laughs> so was now it's gone down to what like 84 because nah, nah, like you know like... crypto's a bit if you're in i think <sighs> in life i think no it's i just enjoy it i i really do I, yeah that's sick hmm. How, uh, what would you would you change things? What would the, you change? So the only thing I would change is I probably wouldn't sell courses anymore. I just chuck them on YouTube for free. Okay. Like that's the, that I think courses are the only thing that I do that actually. But that's I do not for a scheduling thing. Make money. Uh, you didn't, no, it's not it's, a scheduling. But in yeah. terms, okay, if yeah. you're gonna go like that, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I think there's a lot more things I could do to help other people that yeah. I'd love to do, definitely. Um, 
In what way do you want to help other people? Like, do you have an idea of what sort of quote service you want to offer to the world? Yeah. As cringe as that sounds, but I do think it will involve South Africa. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's going through a very difficult time, uh, and and there's just there's just unlimited things you could do there to try and make a difference. So I I, I would like to set up an NGO in um, in South Africa one day around young people, around education. Education there is is just it's not where it should be, uh, like many places, um, and so. Even as someone who never went to university myself, I just see the power of going to school, of learning, you know, being safe at school, uh, having a meal, all those things. Like I'm so lucky, you, you know, to to have grown up in a home where like I could get a camera, things like that. There's so many things I had in my life that if I didn't have, I would have had no chance. So I just want to try and give that to a few more people one day. Okay, so um, if you. I guess you've been in this in this sort of online world now for for a very long time, and we have you know a bunch of kind of young entrepreneurs and actually a lot of older people who want to become entrepreneurs listening to this who love the idea of either uh, they who who love the idea of being able to uh, do what they love and make a living from what they love, whether that's the creator world or the business world or the freelancer world or anything like that. Do you have any general top tips, things that you've learned over this big question, but like yeah, th yeah. things you've learned of these last 12 years that you think... Just, um, hold on, let yeah. me have a look at my answers here. <laughs> um, yeah. Top 10 tips, no. Um, this is my, my thing is, it's not about how hard you work, it's about how smart you work. So if, if you're just spending your tons of time on something, that doesn't mean it's going to reap rewards. It's not always the right thing to be doing. So be prepared to... Not only, obviously I'm not saying don't work hard, but, but work smart, be prepared to walk away from things that aren't actually gonna work. But that said, you could also work away from the next fucking Facebook. So, yeah, so again, know, yeah. I caveat all my answers with like, I'm like a contrarian to myself. Um, then just, just again, surround yourself with, with people that you aspire to be more like. So it's a pretty common thing that people say, but like the five people you spend most of your time with become the person you are, mm -hmm. or you become the person. So surround yourself with people like that. Uh, you know, f know your value. You are everyone's good at something, and when you know your value, sell yourself. When you meet people, try your best. Obviously, don't just go in there um, and brag about yourself, but be confident and remind people why it's important that you're around and you're involved. Um, like for me, I think my angle is a creator who hopefully understands business. And so I always remind people of that and try and make sure like everyone knows this is what they can come to me for. And then when they think of something, maybe they think, oh, I need someone to come to a panel. Oh, him, because uh, I, I make it very clear what, what I can add. Um, I, I suppose meet, meeting people, I, I, I spoke, you know, I spoke about our fund earlier. We, we don't meet everyone, but we try and meet as many entrepreneurs as we can just because even if it's not the perfect business for us to invest in, because we probably only invest in like 1% of the deals we do. I mean, the deals we look at. Uh, but but we want to meet everyone, have a conversation, learn something from them. They can hopefully learn something from us and they can walk away with a good experience because you never know where those people are going to end up. And like, there are a lot of people out there who only give time of day to people who they think they can get something from now. And I think that is like, I think that's a short term, uh, it makes sense, but long term, it's actually really stupid. And when I say it makes sense, it's just, it's a shitty way to be, but you can see why people think, oh, why would I spend time with this person? 
don't be like that's just so so silly because everyone has something to add now and also you never know where they're going to be um so those are a few tips i mean yeah i don't know if you have anything to add but i don't know i mean Honestly, I was I, I was surprised that you said yes to this podcast. Really? Because I was thinking that oh, you know, it's a bit of a long shot. Casperly's a big deal. Um, <laughs> you, had had MKBH, you had MKBHD. Yeah. Is that how you say? It? He's like yeah. the first. I mean, he, yeah, he happened to have seen some of the videos. I was there like, we go. Well, that's kind of cool. I mean, yeah. yeah, it just as I said, I I, I don't uh, look. I, I don't get asked to go on every podcast in the world, but I also I I haven't been on a podcast probably in a very long time. I just nice big fan of yes. what you do. So um, yeah. Do you ever struggle with procrastination? Yes. What do you do about it? <sighs> Not great. Um, I think, okay, here we go. The answer is to make sure someone else is going to be disappointed if you don't do it. So like, I'm a people pleaser. So for example, I don't have a PT, but let's just say I had a PT uh, and I wanted to get really strong in the gym. I would go to the gym not to disappoint that person. Yeah, I've got my PT session at seven today. There you go. And you don't want to disappoint them. Whereas no. if it's just me and my Slilo, I'm going to like just come up with an excuse. Yeah. Uh, so when it comes to like waking up early, if if I want to wake up early and I'm like, I procrastinate, I don't like doing that. I'll set something really early that I have to go to and then I'll do it. Oh, I love doing that too. Like uh, sort of the, the 8 a.m. breakfast. Yeah, you have <laughs> to do it. Like, you you hate it. yourself. <laughs> yeah. You hate yourself for it, but you have to and do it. And then you're there, you got the coffee. It's like, okay, exactly. nice. I'm glad I woke up for this. So just yeah. being around other people, doing stuff with other people. Uh, I think I think that's why creators also struggle a lot. A lot of them work in silos. Mm. And when they don't have a team, it's really hard because you're procrastinating. There's no one else kind of, uh, kind of there to take account for what you're doing. Hmm. So I think that helps. Yeah. What's but I'm again by no means uh, good at that. I, I'm a procrastinator. What do you do when you're struggling to motivate yourself to do something, but you feel like oh, I've got to do this thing, but I can't. I don't really feel like it right now. <sighs> I just don't do it. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. Uh, I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I try and think about like how I'm gonna feel good afterwards. I mean, running, for example, I it's great. I like to use running as a tool to make me a better person, if that makes sense. So like, again, this morning I, w I had to go and run because I wanted to be in a good spirit for this. And and so I feel like if you can, if you're doing good things and you you, you got to make a real reason for them to exist and why you do it, if, if, if you don't really want to do it and it's not going to help you, then don't do it. But if it is going to help you, then just just think about how much it's going to help, hmm. I think. Does that does that make any sense? It does. Yeah, I mean, I haven't done reasonable. this guru stuff in a yeah. while, but uh, trying my best. <laughs> Grandfather Casper. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, when they become successful, they they're like work life balance and like rest, and but they don't tell you that when for the first ten years of their career they were yeah. like grinding and sort of had no balance at all. Yeah. How? What are your thoughts on work life balance? I do actually think it's important. I think I'm very fortunate again, like. Uh, with what I do to have people who who are so good at what they do so I don't feel like I have to constantly yeah. grind what about in the early days when in the early days in the no I mean mode. no yeah. I just didn't stop but <laughs> it didn't feel like a grind so that's yeah. maybe the answer is like if it feels like a grind then it's probably you're not going to be able to make it without burning out but you could some people are grinding because they're just on such a high because they love what they're doing or they're seeing momentum and then you can just keep going yeah I think I think that's the thing like with a lot of these, like I've I've asked this question to so many people, like super successful entrepreneurs and stuff, and they're always like, "Yeah, there's not a lot you can do to get away from the fact that, especially in the early days, yeah. you got to put in loads of work. And if you enjoy that work, it doesn't feel like work. But yeah. if you're, it's 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 like uh, oh, my friend uh, 
Tiago Forte tweeted like a few a few months ago that I often think about, which is that you can't really outwork someone who for whom it feels like play or something like that. Exactly. That, like if if I'm having fun cracking yeah. out YouTube videos and courses and shit, like yeah. there's no way someone yeah. who considers that a grind is ever gonna like get that same exactly. output. So I don't so, really like, like like the stuff on YouTube, which is like you gotta wake up at five a.m. No matter how upset you are with your life, you gotta do it. Because like that you can good. watch that. Was that. I don't know if that was good. That, that was my good. American, like uh, American YouTube guru. accent. <laughs> yeah. But I just don't think, I don't think that's sustainable. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's good when you're on the treadmill to listen to that kind of stuff. But uh, mm. it, you, you, as you said, you've got to enjoy, enjoy what you're doing. Um, but also, not every, you've got to remember, don't just walk away from something because it's not fun one day. You've got to also like, you're going to go through tough times and you've got to just keep pushing. Mm. Um yeah. How do, how do you know? So, so so you've done lots of projects and stuff. Um, <laughs> how do you know when to quit something versus when to like just keep going with it? Because maybe you're in a bit of a local minima or dip. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't quit that many things. Hmm. So maybe I don't. I'm not the best person to answer this. Uh, obviously, I've, I've okay. You'd be like, well, YouTube. Uh, but I feel like <laughs> well, that I was guess, after yeah. a long time. Yeah. So, so most things I feel like I've started, I've still kind of, you know, everything I've started five years ago, I'm still doing. Um, but how do you know when to quit? If it really isn't, you know, working or bringing you any joy, I think that might be a good time. Uh, but it really depends. I need to look at every situation and analyze it before I can give like a broad piece of advice like that. I feel. Yeah. Um, That's very sensible. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But the funny thing That's is, not as what well, the gurus like, say the gurus you, have an answer exactly. for everything. <laughs> yeah. But actually, quitting might be the best thing you ever do. Not quitting might be the best thing you ever do. I feel like people think if they just they, they think or they ask for advice from someone that the right answer is going to come back yeah. to them. But we can't tell what the future is going to be. You. You know, someone could say you should you should have quit Bitcoin in 2019 yeah. or whatever because it was really high and it kept going. And then they should have said, oh, don't quit it. And it just collapsed. Yeah. You don't know when the right time, you don't really know these things. So I feel like the answer is not to try and perfect every decision. It's just to make decisions. And even if they're right 60 or 70% of the time, at least you're moving in the right direction, but you'll make a lot of mistakes along the way. And that's the same with like starting something new. Don't try and make it perfect before you release it because it's just that's just not going to work. Yeah, yeah. I had um, we released an episode recently with a uh, professional poker player. There we go. And he talked about how in poker you have to make zillion zillions of these decisions. I love this. And I was literally thinking about poker. Oh right, yeah. So, so what I was going to think of saying there is like I heard something the other day when someone someone got bluffed off a hand, and they were like. They were like happy about it. Mm. They had the best hand, but they folded to someone with a worse hand, mm. and they were happy about it. And I was like, "Why? Why are you? Why? Like, why are you happy about it?" And it's like because if if you're if you can't be bluffed off a hand, you'll be a terrible poker player. Even you're even though you're wrong, sometimes you'll be wrong. That's that's if you're if you try if you're never bluffed off a hand, you, you'll make mistakes mm. because you'll you'll think everyone's trying to bluff you, and then you'll call someone who's actually got a good hand. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And so I think poker has a lot of yeah. analogies we can use. It's like the 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 whether or not the decision was good no. is independent of the outcome. Exactly. Because what exactly. matters is the information exactly. you had at the time and the fact that you made a decision. Exactly. And sometimes people have incredible outcomes and they might have made some terrible decisions and everyone rewards them for it and thinks they're a genius. And like you you know, when people are successful in life, 
I find like they end up giving everyone tons of advice because they've been successful. But they again, it could have it could have been their decisions. It could have been the right market. I think a successful business is sixty percent the right market, thirty percent the team, and ten percent like the unique idea. But everyone's like, just think, come up with a perfect idea. It's not you can't predict the future. That's so true. I, I I think sort of that just sparked an idea. An idea. I think was it like Coca Cola or something like in the world of marketing where they say that twenty percent of our marketing campaigns need to fail, and if they're not, yeah. we're, we're not being there. We go. Innovative. That's enough. exactly it. And I also think like I feel like I should apply that advice to my own YouTube channel. Yeah. Where yeah. like earlier today I was meant to film a video. Or meant to is a strong word, but like I I I was aiming to film a video, but I was just overthinking that. Oh, how how do I perfect the hook? Yeah. It's like oh, if you don't get people off the first thirty seconds, like who cares? Watch time. Blah 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 blah. But it's like I should have just filmed the freaking thing and just yeah. spoken from the heart and not had so much of like not being so precious about like oh, I really need this to be good. That's what I I am a bit afraid with social media being all about watch time. What that does to just allowing for differences to occur. I think everything has to be every, not. I know that the content's all very different, but you can almost see the formula happening in front of you as a viewer. And I think people are going to eventually get a little tired of that. And I wonder what happens when you get tired of the perfect watch time formula. Like, do people then have to do something different? Because like, just like screaming at you in the beginning to try and get you to like get excited about it. And then keep you no matter. There's not a second you get bored. I feel like people will push away from that eventually. And I am starting to see actually some more kind of slow-paced videos doing really well on YouTube too. So I guess it depends how you're watching the video. If you're watching it on your phone or yeah. on the TV, but yeah, it's 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 definitely not the. It's not my favorite content to watch. That 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 stuff that's going to catch as many people as possible within the watch time algorithm. Yeah. Yeah, there was someone I was speaking to, like just on a on a on a similar note. I can't remember who it was recently on the pod who said something like, "When they train people in sales or in lead generation, they say that yeah. your job is to get ninety nine rejections." Yeah, and they yeah. never get to that number because yeah, yeah. people always say yes, and yeah, they're yeah, like, "Oh yeah. shit, I got six rejections and like four yeses, and now I've made my yeah, and I've been able to quit my job." That's <laughs> exactly, and that that is like life. You you just you you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> that I took that from the basketball player, but uh, yeah, it's it, it is really my favorite um, kind of quote because you just got to take enough shots and you, you'll get lucky eventually. Hopefully, I mean that's what roulette taught me. Roulette? <laughs> you played roulette? I played some roulette in my life. Nice. Eventually hit zero if you play the, enough. The Russian lose, kind or the? Uh... Oh no, normal, normal, normal roulette. But you do lose money eventually. Too. Yeah. Um, any books that you recommend? Fiction, nonfiction, Ooh. anything, anything I should check out. Ooh, uh, Happy by Darren Brown. Oh, I love it. It's one of my there favorite books. Oh, there we go. So good. Darren uh, Brown is a dream guest to have he, on the podcast. Yeah, he'll he would he'd be great. Yeah, he's, he's uh, sick. I love it. It's such. He's, I just yeah, I love it. Uh, it's quite like dense. Surprisingly yeah, hard it's to actually, read. Yeah, actually, you'd like, I think I, when I thought of Darren Brown, I didn't think of this guy like, who well understood so much about this space. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was brilliant. It was also quite easy. Yeah. Uh, the, the, there's a book called The Politics of Geography. Um, have you heard of that? The Politics of Geography. Hopefully I've got the or name right. Prisoners of Geography? Prisoners of Geography, thank you. I think Angus recommended that to me the other day. I think I've got it on Audible. There you but go. That's how bad my memory it. is. But yeah. uh, it, it actually explains like, it talks about a lot of things we're experiencing today and this was written like 10 years ago. Um, it's it's all about how, uh, you know, where your country is situated in the world and uh, you know the geography in which it lies really impacts the politics um, and kind of the decisions and outcomes of, of why certain places are so successful versus others and, and so on. It's quite scary, actually. It almost, yeah. 
it's almost like uh, nature over nurture kind of stuff. Yeah. You just realize like, are we all destined for things based on where our country is in the world? Yeah, I guess that would have resonated with you in particular, like being from South Africa. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, yeah, it's all about how, yeah, different. And if different you've been born things. in like a different neighborhood, suddenly we would yeah. be sitting here. Yeah. Sometimes like me as well. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mental. Anything else? A happy prisoners. Do you have anything? Uh, oh, I have. I've recently read a book called The Go Giver. Can I see if you have any other? The Go Giver. Yeah. It's actually sick. So one of our podcast guests recommended it like two days ago and I started listening to it. But then it turns out that one of our team members actually sent me a copy before he started working wow. for us. How many books do you read a, a, a month? I think I average about one or two a week. Wow. Uh, but I audible most things at like three times That's speed. Really so good. it's a bit, it's a bit. So rogue. I'm, yeah, yeah, I've become quite bad actually. I started just reading the FT now. Oh, have you check done you that? Out. Yeah, I know. Check you know, me that's, out. that's when you know you run a fund. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite bad because my partner as well. Like every time I have like like a cool story I want to share with him, he's like, "I've already read that." Yes. I'm like, "Fuck!" There's only like ten articles yeah. in the FT a day. <laughs> so um, no, it's actually I, I do recommend not not the FT, but I recommend um, if you can get a subscription to or, or or just read a newspaper. It might also bring a bit of unhappiness, but I feel like there's so much you can learn that you don't. You, you don't pick up instantly, but over time you're like, oh wow, there's a lot more I can talk about because I'm I, I'm reading about this stuff every day. Yeah. But I love nonfiction as well. That's partly yeah. why I read the. Yeah, I was at a I was at a conference, the retreat thing over the weekend with a some, someone who's like a senior editor at Time Magazine, and I asked her like, what are the what are the things I should read? And she said, okay, the the key is to read magazine articles like Economist, Time, you know, all that kind of stuff because those yeah. those are like really worked on yeah, and yeah, fact yeah. Okay, that's a, lot. a really good point yeah whereas newspapers they have yeah. it's too quick yeah. they don't have time to fact check yeah. and blog posts like who cares but, yeah, but like, i feel the ft the ft yeah. is like basically yeah she recommended ft she was like it's yeah solid, it's like it's like gonna be read. complete fact <laughs> no yeah, fake news quite. and it's like quite boring factual articles yeah or is those what you're talking about they've allowed their their people to spend time even though it's coming out every day they don't have that many stories my understanding is that in the ft there is a section of like how rich people spend their money oh yeah it's called how to it's, spend yeah, it it's literally like that. yeah. It's called HTSTM or something. They huh. had to change. They had to make it an acronym because it sounded a little bit. A little uh, bit I think it's how to spend them. How to spend your money is yeah. what it's meant to be. So on that on that note, what have been some purchases that have added <laughs> disproportionate value to your life? Cheap, expensive, it could be anything. Just that does, have does added anything, disproportionate value as to in, my life. A, a purchase you've made that you've been like, you know, people say that things don't make you happy, but but actually woolen socks <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I started knitting so knitting nice um, uh, the FT subscription excellent uh, what did you think gifts I've given my girlfriend have helped a lot like excellent. jewelry because I can remind every time I see her I'm like you remember that yeah I, I got you that <laughs> so those sorts of things um, to be honest I'm a big fan of watches I, I only um, I only have one kind of watch right now but yeah, I like I like I like watches uh, as like an investment vehicle or yeah, like as a... something to wear. But I like the fact that I'm also trying to work out what which watch is going to work in in terms of an investment. So it's kind of for both. It's like I enjoy the way it looks, but I like the fact that it's going up in value. Even though I probably won't sell it, I like, I kind of like the game of that. What well, the worst thing I ever bought was probably uh, a golf bag because it's just <laughs> so you, frustrating do you play golf i do oh you do and uh it is it's called fun i've it's, been thinking it's of getting really into good. it really good we should I've, yeah i've heard I've, I've heard i should take lessons for a yeah. bit first oh that's i was yeah i feel like you read my mind i was gonna yeah. say don't do what i did which is think oh you're gonna be brilliant yeah, how at hard golf. Gonna be? and like then and then thing. you just completely create a, a weird swing and uh 
yeah, you end up just, yeah, I'm still bad after like three, four years of playing golf. So it feels like one of those things that there's like a clear learning curve, but it's also a game you can play up un until you're 17, oh, yeah, 18. It's, so. it's, it's great. And it, it's great for the, yeah, clearing the mind mm, and driving range. And yeah, it, it's, it is, it is good fun. And yeah, no, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's addictive, I think, because you, you, you know, you hit loads of bad shots, but then every now and then you get the perfect yeah. shot and it's just like, you crave it. Yeah. Yeah, That's, it's, it's about having struggles. You yeah. need something difficult. You need something, something to do. If, if, like, if, Casper's if, saying golf is a struggle. <laughs> Cancelled. First world problems. Um, no, it, it feels like a good thing to do with, with friends on a weekend. Just like, you're kind of, you've kind of, you've kind of, you've kind of got a thing to do and you just chat and like walk around. It's outdoors. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Oh, well, with me and my friends, we're just like, like, really competitive so we don't talk we just like oh wow we you just, just like get walk really in upset silence. and like try and put each other off and yeah things like that it's quite but then at the end of the day we're all happy damn <laughs> okay i'm gonna get some recommendations yeah from I, where, well, where so I should get, go get lessons for yep. like two years and we can play golf for two years <laughs> okay <fine. laughs> i'll hit you up two years from now <laughs> like, right, because then you'll be on my level of uh, <laughs> like finally compete in this shooting thing at 90 um, that's my best score nice i don't know what that means but no it means you on a golf course you uh you it's usually 72 is how you should go around a golf course is how many shots you should hit okay and so like whatever you go over that should be your handicap yeah. so if you shoot 90 that's like 18 handicap and then you play against someone who goes who shoots maybe 74 and they're like a two handicap okay, and then right. you can play with them does that make sense oh yeah makes sense all the golf fans out there Ali, yeah. i hope you enjoyed that excellent excellent Casper, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Hope hope it was any any final uh, any final words of wisdom from grandfather. My, my nose is itchy, and I think it is from this cake. So I'm gonna have more. But I think there's something in this cake I'm uh, allergic to. You're just gonna scran another mouthful, as they say, <laughs> <laughs> while you've got the cake in your mouth. Uh, any any final parting words of wisdom for people who might have listened to all two hours of this so far? Um, hi, mom. Uh, <laughs> please return my messages, please. Um, parting words of wisdom you miss 100% of the shots you don't take love it thank, thank you very you. much alright so that's it for this week's episode of Deep Dive thank you so much for watching or listening all the links and resources that we mentioned in the podcast are going to be linked down in the video description or in the show notes depending on where you're watching or listening to this if you're listening to this on a podcast platform then do please leave us a review on the iTunes store it really helps other people discover the podcast or if you're watching this in full HD or 4K on YouTube then you can leave a comment down below and ask any questions or any insights or any thoughts about the episode that would be awesome so thanks for watching uh, do hit the subscribe button if you aren't already and I'll see you next time bye bye